remind you, if you can, of maybe you're at a graduation party or at a wedding or a birthday party, and there's this, just this really, really beautiful cake there. I was going to start out eating a piece of cake in front of you. Um, then I got to thinking, yeah, that might not be good for my throat, so um, I decided not to do that before I spoke. But um, when you think about, yeah, you know, you've ever had those cakes and you're eating this piece of cake and you're like, wow, this cake is so rich. It's like usually the frosting, but it's so rich and you can only eat a little bit of the cake and it's like, wow, this is just too rich. I just cannot eat this whole cake. Um, and I want to talk today about that spiritual reality in our life, about discovering the richness of our life. We're going to talk today about praying our way to a richer life. And so I'm, I'm thinking of these two questions. Would you describe your life as rich? Would you say I have a very rich life, a very rich and rewarding life? Was, is that how you would define your life? Or maybe this way, how do I live a rich life? How do I find a life of richness? I fear for a lot of people today in the world that they equate a rich life with being financially rich. If I'm financially rich, then my life is rich. That's, of course, hopefully we all know that's not the case. And we understand the components, some of the components that go, go into a rich life. Today, as we bow down and look up, as we continue this series on prayer and this kind of this merging of our worship and our prayer life to God, we want to talk about this idea of praying our way to a richer life. And what Paul is going to do for us today, we're in Ephesians chapter, chapter 1. We were in chapter 3 last week. We're going to back up a couple of chapters and look at another very uh, notable prayer from the Apostle Paul. And in this prayer, he will give us four ingredients, I believe, of a rich life and four areas where we can pray. In our prayer life every day, we can pray these things, be reminded of these things, and it can lead us to a much richer life. So let's read this together again off of the screen. We'll read through the prayer together. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers." that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe." according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Boy, you guys do a great job reading. That sounds really cool. We need to do more of that. That's a, a beautiful prayer, an amazing prayer, and it's full of so much. Now, just a little context here. We see in this prayer that it starts out exactly where he started out last week in chapter 3's prayer. He starts out for this reason. Okay, what's the reason today? Why is, what's the reason behind this prayer? Well, we could say he's very, he's very actually deliberate in telling us. He's thankful and he's moved by how they are two things, really, living out the gospel vertically with God 
talks about their faith in God, and then he, how they're working out their salvation horizontally with each other. He talks about their love for one another. And so these two parallel ideas are here that he's praying for them. He's seeing how they're living out the gospel vertically with God, how they're working out their salvation horizontally with each other. And Paul is thankful for that. He's moved by that. He's going to pray for them because of that. In fact, we could say it this way. Paul prays for them that they would discover the richness of both of these relationships. He sees the evidence of this in their life. He sees the potential. We saw last week their potential in their relationship. And he prayed for them because they had this great potential, this great responsibility, I should say. And those two things drove Paul to pray for them. And it's kind of the same thing here. He's just looking at them. He sees the potential of the rich life they can have through these two relationships, vertically and horizontally. And so for this reason, Paul is thankful for them, and he's going to pray for them very, very specifically. And so he gives us four ingredients, I believe, of a rich life and how we can pray uh, our way to a richer life. So let's look at these four ones, the, these four reasons here, these four ingredients. First, we need to pray for a clearer vision. This is where he starts. And this is really key because this is really where the rest of the prayer kind of flows out of. Look what he says in verses 17 and 18, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, note the Father of glory, note that attitude of worship again, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Okay, so note two things here, the aspect of worship, and then secondly, this, this idea of the spiritual eyesight, that they would be able to see these spiritual truths contained in God's word, that, that, that they would just understand in their relationship with God and with each other, these spiritual reality and the things that can cause them to pray deeper prayers. So this whole prayer is based on this idea, the spiritual eyesight to see into the spiritual realm. Here's our big idea, and it is another powerful big idea. Listen to this. The clearer my spiritual vision is, the deeper my prayers will go, and the richer my life will be. I think there's a lot in there. I think there's a lot in that statement. Even as I read it, I'm thinking, oh, there's a lot in there. Because, and, and we keep talking in this series about this idea of what praying deeper prayers. That was what it was last week. Paul was praying below the surface, taking their prayers to a deeper place, to their inner being, dealing with things not on the surface, but things below the surface. And that's where you'll find a much richer life when you learn to pray below the surface. Sure, bring your needs, requests, and petitions to God. Paul tells us to do that. But he always prays, when he prays, below the surface. Look again at our series big idea. The higher we exalt God, the deeper our prayers will go. We're going to see this merge into this message today as well. But the higher we exalt God, the deeper our prayers will go. And there's an aspect where the clearer our vision is, um, that is going to definitely impact how deep our prayers go as well. It certainly will be, and it will lead to a much richer life. So what Paul does here, notice he merges these two concepts. This idea of our spiritual vision, he merges that with this need to worship God. And and, and notice what he says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. And so understand there's this idea, we're praying through the names of God right now. We're praying through these 40 days through the, the various names of God. It's that we would know God and have the spiritual vision to see God and to know God even more deeply. Pray for the spiritual wisdom and revelation to know God, to know Him on a deeper level. And the more deeply I know God, the reality is is that uh, the higher I can exalt Him. 
The more deeply I get to know God, and the more I know Him by all of His names, the more I can exalt God. What happens the higher I exalt God, the deeper my prayers go. There's kind of like a cyclical nature almost taking place here in my walk with Christ. Pray for that clear vision. Pray that we would really, really, really get to know God. He says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. And we just sang a line in that last song and we're singing it. I'm like, that's right out of the scripture here about having these eyes that can see your wonders, the wonder of who you are. The simple fact is we need to be able to see with our hearts if we're going to pray the deeper prayers that lead to experiencing a richer life. David Yuzik said it really great. He had a great quote. He said, we need hearts that have eyes and we need eyes that have heart. Think about that one this week. I think that's pretty powerful. But we do. We, we need to have hearts that have eyes that can see. Remember those 3D pictures that were all the rage several years back and you'd look at this picture and you'd stare at this picture and all of a sudden, out of this mumbo jumbo or whatever, a 3D image would pop out at you and you'd be like, whoa. It's like, wow. And that's kind of the reality here that we have the eyes spiritually to look and to see below the surface and to see something amazing pop out at us. The reality is the rich and rewarding life is not found in our material possessions. It's not found in our physical health. It's not found in our favorable circumstances. It is found below the surface in our inner being. And uh, we will get there through prayer. The clearer my spiritual vision is, the deeper my prayers will go, the richer my life will be. So, using that clearer vision, let's look at, um, let's look at a second ingredient in this we need to pray for our higher calling okay the higher my calling the richer my life we need to pray for my higher calling because the higher my calling is the richer my life will be the clearer my my vision the richer my life the higher my calling the richer my life so let's pray about this idea of what is my higher calling here's what he says in the text that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called. Let me ask you a question. Do you know today and every day that you have been called to a higher calling? You really have. You've been called to a higher calling. I don't think we often stop and maybe think about this in the way that we should. Let's look at Titus 2 a moment. Listen to this. Titus 2, Paul writing to, to, to one of his young protégés, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives right now in the present age, okay? Waiting, there's the key, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possessions who are zealous for good works. Two things in there, we're waiting for a future hope. I have a future hope in the next world. So we're waiting for that. We're waiting for that future hope in the heavenlies. And every day I get up and that future hope in the heavenlies gives me hope today because I know that this is not my eternal state, my eternal reality that one day I'm going to glory. So I have this future hope there. But note as well that I have a present hope and it's found in my calling. He talks at the end of that passage there about being zealous to do good works. Titus read that earlier, because of God's great love, we've been called to do good works. 
And uh, so there's this, this idea of these good works that we can do. And there's this idea that we have a calling in our life. God has called us. He's given us a purpose. He's given us our life significance and meaning. And we find hope when we discover that higher calling. We do. Did you know that when Adam and Eve committed the first sin, think about this, they committed the first sin, and when they did, some things were cursed, right? Adam and Eve were cursed, the world was cursed, the serpent was cursed. There's a fourth thing that was cursed that we don't often think about or realize. You know what was cursed is that work was cursed. And work became labor, and it became toil, it became sweat, it became tears. I mean, work really became work as we understand it today. And yet the reality is when Christ went to the cross and He redeemed everything and everyone, redeemed the world, redeemed each person, when He went and brought redemption, you know what He also redeemed? He redeemed our work. Our work was cursed, but then Christ came and redeemed it. And today we work, we can work for an eternal purpose and for a higher calling. There, there is a much higher calling than just the paycheck that we earn each week. There is a much higher calling, and it's that higher calling that gives us hope. And it's that higher calling when you discover it that you're going to say, boy, my life is rich and rewarding. There's a richer life found within the context of your higher calling. I don't care what your job may be today, it has a higher calling. As parents, can you see your higher calling? It's not just about getting your kids through school and making sure they get good grades and that their teeth don't rot, and they're healthy physically. You get, you get a higher calling. You have a much higher calling in them to lead them into a relationship with Christ. Think about this. Knowing that your kids know Christ is a huge part of a rich life. A huge part. In fact, I saw there's a great meme circulating right now on the internet. Probably has to do with this college admission scandal and those that kind of cheated their kids into, into college. And it says something like this. Um, it's not my job to get you into Harvard, but into heaven. That, think about that one. Yeah, really. It's not important if your kid gets into Harvard, but it doesn't matter if he makes it to heaven. There's nothing more rewarding. Think, there's nothing more rewarding than, than, than one day, you know, seeing your kids pass on the faith tradition. Seeing them pass on the, the love uh, of Christ in the family, the hope of Christ to the next generation. We have a higher calling. Kids, teens, I don't care how old you are in the room, you have a higher calling you go to school, you have a higher calling than just going to school and getting good grades and staying out of trouble and deciding what you're supposed to do with your career in the future. Whatever age you are, there's a higher calling to reach out to your hurting friends, to point them to the cross if that's what they need, to hold them accountable in their own walk with Christ, to be a friend that looks and acts like Jesus because you know what? Everybody needs Jesus in their life. We have a higher calling. And maybe the friends around you don't know that, and maybe they're not living for their higher calling. I'll tell you, the, the sooner we learn to live for a higher calling, the richer our life will be. Simply will be. Parents, kids, the, we, we, are, we have a higher calling. As a church, we have a higher calling. We have a higher calling. Not just to keep the doors open, but just to say, why are we here, Lord? What's our reason? What's our mission? Who are we supposed to reach? How do we reach the community around us? That is our higher calling. And the same thing, uh, when you go to work every day, you have a higher calling on your job. We work for the Lord and not for men. We are, we are light in the darkness. We are truth and grace. We are hope and despair in a troubled world. We are the one that shines out. That is our 
higher calling. And the higher our calling, the richer our life. And, 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 and Paul knows the potential. He knows how high our calling can be. He knows what our lives can, can matter for and how rich they can be. And that's why he's praying for them. You may not even like the job you have, but if you find your higher calling and deeper purpose, you will experience a significant hope. So let's say it this way. The clearer my spiritual vision is, the higher my purpose can go and the richer my life will be. Takes us to a third ingredient that Paul has for us. Here's a third ingredient. We need to pray for our future inheritance. We need to pray every day for our future inheritance. We don't often think about this inheritance that we have. We have this future inheritance and we need to pray for it. Why? Because the better my inheritance, the richer my life. And if I'm thinking and living in this world for the inheritance that this world has to offer and not my future inheritance above, then I'm really missing out. Here's what Paul says, that you may know what are the riches. There's that, the riches, the richness of his glorious inheritance in the saints. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. We have a spiritual inheritance that is better. Think about this. That is better than any physical or material inheritance. Uh, anything on this earth that's physical or material that we could ever inherit here in this world. We have a spiritual inheritance that ultimately has an eternal value. Now, you read that text and it almost sounds like what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. It almost sounds like we're the Lord's inheritance. And, and, and some people translate it that way, but most commentators agree. The idea here is that we have an inheritance from the Father. We have an inheritance from the Father, and it's a rich inheritance, and we need to be aware of that. And we know that from many other scriptures that kind of back that up. There's other passages that talk about our inheritance. Romans chapter 8, we were here last week. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So we have our Heavenly Father, we're a son of God, which means Jesus is, is our brother. Think of the relationships there. And then he goes on, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so there's this concept here that we have this, we're heirs with Christ and we have an inheritance from the Father. We're looking for this inheritance from the Father. Now, let me give you three reasons why you need, you need to, we need to more consciously think and pray every day about this future inheritance, about this better inheritance we have in glory. What happens when I pray about this every day? Uh, a couple things. Number one, or A, our inheritance is the culmination of all our spiritual blessings. Think about this. Our inheritance is the culmination of all of our spiritual blessings. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. Paul is pouring out all of the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. There's just a long list of all these spiritual blessings. And the culmination of those spiritual blessings is our inheritance. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places already past tense we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in christ and then he goes on think about this he goes on in verse 11 in him we have also obtained an inheritance there's that inheritance again 
In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So I have this inheritance. It is guaranteed, but I have not fully acquired possession of it. Does that make sense? Is that confusing? Think about this. Think about God calls Abraham. Says, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation, and I'm going to give you the promised land. And so he sends Abraham, and Abraham moves to where the, the promised land is, and he shows it to him and says, Every place you put your foot, I will give to you. This is all your land. And so uh, Abraham had the promise, he, he, he had the guarantee, which was God's word, which was God's promise. But you know, Israel is still waiting to really take possession of that land to really say it is theirs and for Christ to sit on the throne and rule over them in that land so they've got the promise they've got the inheritance they just have not fully realized it yet that's you and me we have the promise of heaven we have this inheritance above we just have not received the fullness of that promise yet one day we will and it is the culmination of all our spiritual blessings when we go to heaven and we're with christ this word inheritance here has the idea of heaven it has the idea of being in heaven and being in heaven of course with christ the riches of his glorious inheritance there's that idea of that glorious inheritance again speaking of this being a heavenly inheritance wow think about this we jump ahead here look at ephesians 2 4 and 5 but but god being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in christ jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus, the immeasurable riches of his grace. So there's this concept where I'm already seated in heaven, in Christ. It's like I'm in heaven in Christ, and Christ is on earth in me, and what an amazing relationship. I have all these spiritual blessings. My inheritance, when I will bodily go to heaven one day, um, I have not realized that yet. But this, it is the culmination of all my spiritual blessings. So pray every day for the spiritual eyes to see the spiritual blessings and especially the one that awaits me in heaven. Um, several times Paul tells us to focus on the heavenlies. Here's a second reason why you should pray for your spiritual, your future and better inheritance every day. It's found in this, let me tell you, share this story with you. Think of the story of Ryan Givens. Ryan had an uncle, George Owen Walton born on May 15, 1907, in Rocky Mountain, Virginia. As an estate appraiser, he had dibs on rare coins, guns, jewelry, stamps, and books, and he built up quite a collection. When Walton had an opportunity to purchase one of only five 1913 Liberty Head nickels ever minted, he jumped at the chance. He paid 3750 for the treasure in 1945 and told his family that it was worth a fortune. But after Walton died in a car crash on his way to a coin show in 1962, appraisers surprisingly declared his nickel a fake. They marked it no value, returned it to a disappointed family, and the coin stayed hidden in a strong box on the floor of a closet. 
Eventually, Walton's nephew, Ryan Givens, inherited the nickel. Even though it had been dismissed as a counterfeit, something told him that his uncle was right. In 2003, the other four 1913 Liberty Head nickels went on display, and a million-dollar prize was offered to anyone who could produce the fifth. Givens submitted his coin for evaluation once more after hours of comparing and contrasting against the other four nickels. Six experts appraisers announced that Walton's coin was the real deal. Eventually, Givens sold the nickel for $3.1 million and 100 years after it was originally minted. Imagine a coin worth more than $3 million collecting dust in the back corner of a closet for decades and decades because it seemed worthless even to the experts. You need to pray for your future spiritual inheritance every day. Why? Because here's the reality. We live in a world when they look at your inheritance, they will underappraise the value of that inheritance. They're going to tell you, that's not worth anything. That's not worth that much. And you need to pray every day and say, Lord, remind me how valuable this inheritance is more valuable than anything the world has to offer because the world's going to tell you what we have to offer is far better. And yet we have an, an inheritance that is amazing. And how many of us don't take that treasure that is Christ and hide it in a box where no one can see it? We need to cherish it, to value it, to live by it, and to share it. It is better than anything this world can offer. 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To what? An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. What a valuable inheritance. What an incredible inheritance that won't rust, that won't fade, that won't wear out, that won't lose its value that is greater than anything this world can offer. It's the culmination of our spiritual blessings and every day we need to pray and say, Lord, remind me of this future inheritance that I have with you one day in glory. Wow. One last reason why we need to pray for our spiritual inheritance. Think about inheritances here on earth, okay? We got Uncle Harry. Uncle Harry passes away. Calls in 30 people. Uncle Harry, Uncle Harry has $2 million in his will and he calls in 30 family members and they're going to sit down and they're going to read the will and you're driving to the will reading. What's the one thought on your mind? Be honest. What's he leaving me? <laughs> How much of the $3 million am I getting? You know, what's my cut in the pie? Now, let's be honest, if there was four or five people there and you're really close to each other, you may not think such self-centered, selfish, you know, ways. Um, that's the reality. That is the reality. But here's the thing. Think about this inheritance that Paul talks about here. This inheritance is so important because it causes us to focus on our spiritual inheritance. Here's the reality. Think about this and let's see how, well, um, I'll go to there in a minute. Think, think about this. When we think about our spiritual, our future inheritance in heaven. We all will own, we're, we're all earning for our life. We're earning personal rewards for the things we do for the Lord. But our inheritance, it's a collective inheritance. We all share it as a family. It's the inheritance, he says, in the saints. There's one inheritance, and it's an infinite inheritance of an infinite value. It's immeasurable, and we all share it. It's not me versus you or me versus the world. It's just us. 
we all collectively will receive as one family this inheritance. That's the reality. And uh, I think that's pretty cool to stop and think about it. We are the elect. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And so that is the incredible reality. In fact, can I add something else to it? You know what's really amazing about this? What am I inheriting in heaven? Well, I'm going to glory, and I'm, I'm going to go to the, the, have whatever God's got up there for us in glory, this great kingdom. And so I'm inheriting eternity in heaven. You know what I'm also inheriting? I'm inheriting, all, I'm inheriting a spiritual family, a father of glory. Jesus is my, my brother. But I'm here, we're, we're all part of the inheritance. Think about that reality. We pray for the spiritual inheritance. We are all a part of the inheritance. We're all a part of this family that's being inherited. Colossians 1.9, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. Sounds very similar. This prayer is very similar to what we're reading today. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you, qualified us, to share in the inheritance of the saints. See, it's not just I get my own inheritance and you get your inheritance and did I get more than you? No. Our rewards are kind of like that. We earn personal rewards, but our inheritance is, is a collective shared thing. To share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to what? The kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So, I'm inheriting this great kingdom above in heaven. And, so Father, and I'm inheriting all of you as my family. That's the beautiful reality. You're all part of this incredible inheritance. And we need to pray that. We need to be reminded of how important we all are. We need to be, okay, think about this. Sometimes we might feel really lonely in life. We might feel really lonely. We need to be reminded that we're not alone, that we have this great family that we're a part of, a great spiritual family. I need the spiritual eyes to see my spiritual family. Sometimes I can feel very independent, like I don't need anybody. I need to see with my spiritual eyes that that's not true, that God put me in a family, and I need your godliness, and I need your giftedness for me to discover the richness of of life that I won't there's there's gonna you are gonna make my life so much richer when I embrace you and when I allow you in. That's just the simple reality. We need each other. We need the Bible studies and the sermons and the fellowship and the ministry and the conversations, the coffee, everything. We need it all. We need to get together and just read the Bible together on Wednesday night, just to be together. And it will make our life richer. Sometimes we can feel insignificant, yet you aren't. And you need to see with your spiritual eyes that you're part of a spiritual family and that you make everybody else's life richer. That you are more significant than you realize. And oftentimes we tend to think, maybe my life's not that important. I'm not that big of a deal. You are. We all need to see that we are actually a part of a better inheritance we share with one another. And that we make each other's lives Richard, do you believe that? The clearer my spiritual vision is, the better the inheritance I see and the richer my life will be. Richer my life will be. That takes us to one last ingredient today here for Paul, and it's this. We need to pray for our greater power. Every day I need to pray for this greater power that I have within me, this greater 
power that is mine in Christ. The greater my power, the richer my life. It's that simple. The greater my power, the richer my life. He says that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. Now again, Paul is speaking of a spiritual power, not a physical power. Paul says there is a greater power. In fact, he says it is a power of immeasurable strength. I mean, it's just, it's just immeasurable, this power that is contained within me. Just think about the implications of that a minute. You know, when it comes to our life, we have limits, right? We have limits on our, um, might have put it up here, we have all kinds of limits. Um, we have all Um, I didn't put it on the screen. We have all kinds of limits. Think about your life. We have all kinds of limits. We have limits when it comes to our stamina and, and, uh, and uh, to how much... Uh, um, uh, get lost here. Okay, we have limits when it comes to our strength, our stamina, our capacity, our power. There are limits to those things. Think about this. I mean, we can only lift so much weight, right? Some can lift more than others, but I can only lift so much weight. I can only run so far. Think about that. There's marathons and there are certain distances on these marathons, but I can only run so far before what? Before I reach my limit. I can only stay awake for so many hours and eventually I need to get some sleep. Our life is filled with limits and yet we have this power, Paul says, a spiritual power that is in immeasurable greatness. There's no limits to this power. There's no limits to what this power can do. You think about the greatest limit on our life and what is the greatest limit on our life? We can only live so long. Eventually, <laughs> we're going to die. We only, only live so long, and then our, we, we, you know, we just, our life gives up, and we, we pass away. And yet, this immeasurable power, how great is it? it? It broke the limits of death, because it brought Christ back from the dead. How, how amazing. That is the power. That is the strength that you and I have in, in our lives. We do. The greatest limit we have. We can only lift so much, run so far, stay up so late, and live so long, and yet there's this immeasurable greatness. This, and, and he bases it, what? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. That's an, an amazing power. But not only is this power so great that it raised Christ from the dead, you know what it also did? It raised you and me. From the dead. That's how powerful it is. It didn't just raise one person from the dead. It raised us all from the dead. It gave us all incredible life. Jesus comes alive in us. The creator comes alive in us. The redeemer comes alive in us. The one who hung on the cross and bore the sins of the world comes alive in us. I was thinking about this. You know, Think about the, 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 this big bang, right? The world says there's this big bang and everything in the world created from this big explosion. And miraculously, the whole world just grew out of this huge big bang. And, uh, of course, that's kind of nonsensical. It's like, a, it's like a chemistry, in a chemistry lab, and they put a bunch of stuff together, and there's a big bang, and there was this computer all of a sudden on the table. It's like, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. But think about this. Think about the, the, that in your life, if there's just, think about the power of that big bang and how it did, wasn't a destructive big bang, but a constructive big bang. I mean, that's pretty powerful. Well, the reality is, that's not how God created things, but, but there is a power greater than that in your life. The creator, Yahweh Bor, is in you. 
That's the power that is in us. The power that created everything from nothing, that just spoke everything into existence. That is the power that is in us. Now, here's the key about this power. You have to understand, it is, it is, this power is in us, but it is the power to do what? God's will, not necessarily what I want. So I don't always, I can't just say, well, I've got this incredible power, I can do whatever I want. No, it's the power to do whatever God wills, not just what I want. And sometimes we maybe get a little confused there. But think about this immeasurable, greater power that is in us. That means we have the power to forgive anyone for anything. I mean, that's what Christ did at the cross. That means we have the power to bear any cross that God gives to us. We have the, because Christ could bear the cross that he bore that means that we can stand up to any temptation and come out unscathed from the enemy's attacks any temptation we have the spiritual power to defeat temptation that means we can face any rejection withstand any hurt and not let it paralyze us emotionally and relationally maybe even physically or spiritually, we have the ability to stand up to that. I think about people who have grown up, they were abused growing up, and, and they carry those things with them for, for their life, and there's like there's no hope, and it's got a stranglehold on their life, and they're imprisoned to these things that happened to them years earlier. If you know Christ, that should not be your reality. Because you have the power of Christ in you. When, when Jesus, when Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that's what he's talking about. The power to do whatever God wills, not just what I want. That's the very simple reality. So Paul says we need to pray and remind ourselves every day that we have this spiritual power. Why? Because it does seem at times like we live very powerless lives, doesn't it? We live defeated lives, powerless lives. And so Paul says pray every day, remind yourself of this greater power in your life. And I thought that through a little bit. I was kind of asking, you know, the, the reality. How do we realize this greater power in our life? How do we realize this greater power? I don't have any any amazing answer for you other than three basic realities that all kind of converge and kind of work together that might help us here. One is God's Word. Just be in God's Word. If you want to know God's power, be in God's Word because God's Word tells us who I am worshiping. We talk about worship all the time. God's Word tells me who God is. Reveals the names of God. Reveals the character of God. Reveals the person of God. And I realize when I get into God's word who the God is that I am actually worshiping. And then that's the second thing. How do I know this power in my life through worship? Worship is one of the avenues that will unlock God's power in our life. It will. Worship is one of the ways we can fight our spiritual battles by just worshiping the Lord. And I get into God's word and the more that I get into God's word, and the more deeply that I know who God is, the higher I can exalt God, right? And then, of course, the higher I exalt God, what happens next? Well, the, the deeper my prayers will go. The higher I exalt God, the deeper my prayers will go. And if you want to know this power in your life, so think of God's word, think of, think of worship, and then think of, yeah, think of prayer. It's that simple. Just pray. Just pray every day, Lord, help me know the power that I have within me. The power that created everything, the power that redeemed everything, the power to forgive, the power to heal, the power to love, the power to serve, the power of humility. Let me know that power in my life. Not the power to do what I want, but the power to do what you will me to do, what your will is. As Christ said, 
Not my will, but yours be done. And the power, that power took him to the cross and he hung on a cross with that power. And the rest, as we say, is history. Understand we're in a spiritual battle, so let's not fight this battle physically, but fight it spiritually with God's word, with our worship, with prayer. Pray, Lord, help me know this power. Because I think if you're like me, and I asked this, I really wrestled with this. Lord, give me a magical answer. How do I know more of this power? I, I, can, I can hear, I can know I've got this power in me. How do I unlock more of it? And there's no magical answer. There's no tricks. It's just the basic realities. Prayer is an expression of worship that identifies the spiritual reality. And as we talked about last week, that God is greater than my need. That God has a will in my need. He's working in my need. So today's big idea. Here here it is. Four ingredients for a richer life. I need a clearer vision, a higher calling, a future, a better inheritance, and a greater power. And the clearer my vision, the more richer my life will be. The higher my calling, the richer my life will be. Uh, The better my inheritance, the richer my life will be. And the greater my power, the richer my life will be. It's all predicated on this big idea. The clearer my spiritual vision is, the deeper my prayers will go, the richer my life will be. Do you want to know? Do you want to experience the richer life? I think there's just some really powerful things contained in this prayer. But I've got to show you where Paul ends here. So Paul comes to the end of this, and, and listen to how Paul ends this here, the close. Ephesians 3.20, he goes on, that he worked in Christ... He's this, this incredible power that raised uh, Christ here, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church to which Uh, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And again, what does Paul do? Paul ends ends his prayer with praise. Paul cannot contain himself but breaks out in praise. Oh, that our lives were so much like that, that as we just prayed and we're just talking and praying to God that we just can't contain ourselves, that we just erupt in praise. And it's just this incredible run-on sentence again that most grammar Nazis are like, wait a minute, where's some punctuation here? Slow the thought down. And it's just, no, it's just this, amazing reality of who Jesus is, of the power of God in his life, of the resurrected Christ and where he's at today. And oh, how worship needs to so influence and shape our prayer life. If you want a rich life, get to the place like Paul where you can't contain your praise and, uh, and, and that's, that's just the reality. Get to that place in your life. What a rich life Paul lived. Let me leave you here There are a few questions you can take home, but let me leave you with one last little story here that I think is kind of fascinating. Sky uh, uh, Jathani, Sky Jathani, The Divine Commodity. It's it's a book. And in this book, Sky Jathani shares a story from a trip he took to India with his father. While walking the streets of New Delhi, a little boy approached them. He He was skinny as a rail and naked, but for tattered blue shorts. His legs were stiff and contorted, like a wire hanger twisted upon itself. Because of his condition, the little boy could only waddle along on his callous knees. He made his way towards Sky, and his father cried out, One rupee, please, one rupee. Sky describes what happened when his father eventually responded to the boy's persistent begging. What do you want? my father asked. One rupee, sir. 
The boy said while motioning his hand to his mouth and bowing his head in deference. My father laughed. How about I give you five rupees, he said. The boy's submissive countenance suddenly became defiant. He retracted his hand and sneered at us. He thought my father was joking, having a laugh at his expense. After all, no one would willingly give up five rupees. The boy started shuffling away, mumbling curses under his breath. My father reached into his pocket. Hearing the coins jingle, the boy stopped and looked back over his shoulder. My father was holding out a five-rupee coin. He approached the stunned boy and placed the coin into his hand. The boy didn't move or say a word. He just stared at the coin in his hand. We passed him and proceeded to cross the street. A moment later, the shouting resumed, except this time the boy was yelling, Thank you, thank you, sir, bless you. He raced after us once again, but not for more money, but to touch my father's feet. And I just think, what a picture of us in our own prayer life. We come to God with our minuscule requests, and we touch on the things of the surface. And yet we can come to God and say, Lord, Give me more power. Lord, help me know the richness of my inheritance, my glorious inheritance in the saints. Oh, Lord, help me know my higher calling. Lord, give me the eyesight to see and we can come to God and and ask for such deep things. Can we come to God and say, Lord, help me have a good day today. (laughs) Lord, don't let anybody complain at me today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. I, I just, uh, just drive this, this thought home that we can pray deeper prayers, that we can pray prayers that go below the surface, that truly impact our life, that lead to a much richer life. Um, help us understand that that comes from worshiping you. The more we get to know who you are, the, the higher we exalt you, the deeper our prayers can go. Help us just understand that simple reality and help us see today that if I have that clear vision, may we all ask this week for the clear vision, the spiritual vision, to see clearly into the spiritual realm and understand our calling, to understand our inheritance, to understand the power we have in you. And, and as we engage those things, may we realize the, the rich and rewarding life you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.